Folks, if you're liking what you're getting from 30MPC, the number one way you can support us is by subscribing to our newsletter. Every week, you only get two emails. On Monday, you get a content roll-up of everything that dropped last week. And on Fridays, I pick one topic and I personally write a deep dive on things like how to cold call, how to run a discovery call, or even how to hire an AE. So if you're liking what you're getting here, take two seconds, go to the show notes. You'll see a button to subscribe to our newsletter, or you can go to 30mpc.com backslash newsletter and do it there. We'll catch you soon. Cheers. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to this episode of 30 Minutes to President's Club. My name is Armand Farouk. I'm here with my co-host, Nick Sigalski. And today, we have the one and only Josh Kirkham. He's the manager of emerging sales at the one and only Vidyard, an amazing sponsor for us. Nick, why should people listen? Well, Nick Sigalski, a couple years ago, wishes he could have listened to this episode because I wouldn't have sent such awkward prospecting videos where I wore an ill-fitted dress shirt and I looked like I was in a cave. So if that's you, please listen. Three, two, one, Nick's in the cave. Today's tip to optimize your sales day is brought to you by Boomerang. If you get an email and the action required on that email is going to take you less than two minutes to do, do it on the spot. It's not worth adding it to your to-do list, having to look at the item, remember what you need to do. That's going to take you more than two minutes anyway. So do it on the spot, get it off your plate. Now we documented our best templates and tips to help you optimize your sales day with our friends at Boomerang. And you can get that documentation for free at the link in the show notes. Today's tactic to triple your connect rate is brought to you by RocketReach, who provides data that lets you reach out to the right person at the right account at the right time. Every time you're reaching out to an account, pull down the contacts again. Yes, I know it sucks, but the average tech tenure is two years, which means 50% of the workforce turns over every year. So look up the account, pull anyone who was hired, and scratch anyone who was left. And one way you can pull verified and accurate data is with Rocket Reach. So if you like this, check out their toolkit on eight ways to triple your cold call connects in the show notes. Gong's going to help you run the five minute drill at the end of all of your calls today. At the end of a call, pressure test the prospect with three questions. Number one, do you want to buy? If the answer is no, why set a next step at all? Number two, when do you want to buy? If it's tomorrow, we got to move fast. Number three, how do you buy? Based on the first two answers, I can now adequately decide if and how I set a next step. And this was stolen from the Gong 30MPC 90-Minute Masterclass, and you can steal it too in the show notes. Today's deal acceleration cheat code is brought to you by Pipedrive, which is a CRM built by sellers for sellers. The best way to drive your pipeline forward is to every single day, pull up a list of all of your open opportunities and look at each opportunity by stage and think, what can I do today that will increase my likelihood of winning this deal? That's how you keep your ops moving forward in between meetings that you have on the calendar. Now we documented five cheat codes that can help you cut your sales cycle in half with Pipedrive. There's a link in the show notes to steal them. Today's deal acceleration tip is brought to you by Demandbase. If you want to save a ton of time as a salesperson and be more relevant, I recommend you prioritize your prospecting by those prospects who are showing buyer intent. It'll keep you from making a bunch of noise and reaching out to folks who aren't in market, and instead you'll reach out to folks who are in market. Now, we built a bunch of templates to help you prioritize, accelerate, and win with Demandbase, and there is a link to those wonderful templates in today's show notes. All right, Josh, welcome to the show. We start every single episode with your top three actionable takeaways. So let's get your three. Awesome. So first actionable takeaway for the team here, um, keep your prospecting videos to under a minute or as close to a minute as you can. Uh, we've all heard that term that people have the attention span of goldfish. 
right? So we want to think of our prospecting videos or even just our videos in general, like a voicemail. Introduce yourself, say why you're reaching out of that hook sentence, and then ask for a next step, whatever that is. Beautiful. What's number two, Josh? Action item number two is don't be afraid to get creative. If you have a personality, bring it out, obviously within reason with this too. It really helps our prospects understand who you are. And even then, it doesn't always have to be perfectly scripted, right? If you're on a live call, it wouldn't be either. So be creative where you can. Nice. What's number three, Josh? Round us out. Number three is video blitzes. So just like when we're doing cold calls, you don't do a call, then you send an email and then do something else. Do everything in bulk. It'll help you stay efficient as you're making your videos and doing your prospecting efforts too. So let's talk about this getting creative thing. And what was creative six months or a year ago was, you know, writing someone's name on a whiteboard and holding it up and saying like, hey, like take a meeting with me, blah, 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 blah. And now everyone and their dog does that. And so what's the new creative? How can people innovate within video when it's already like saturated with some of that stuff? Well, that's such a great point there, Ramon. I mean, the, the one thing, like you said, everybody and their dog does a whiteboard and a marker. Not saying that's a bad way of doing it. But we always like to look at where you're using it within your process. I personally really like the whole whiteboard and a marker for introductions. You're meeting a new stakeholder on the call. You want to put a face to name before you jump online. Also a really good reminder, maybe the day before your meeting, just to kind of bump up that email or that meeting reminder as well. So some of the things that we really like to see people do is get creative. If you know, maybe just through your prospecting efforts as you're creeping somebody's LinkedIn profile, that they're really into water. I mean, I'm just bringing that up because actually one of one of the guys on my team right now uh, really likes different kinds of water from different areas of the world. So just random fun fact kind of thing, right? Maybe you notice something different on their LinkedIn profile. Bring that out. Maybe show them, draw them a picture. I know one of the clients that, that I uh, work with out of support, they just became a unicorn last week. I drew them a unicorn on a whiteboard. That, that video has over 30 views already within three days, right? Another thing that I've always liked to do is go through somebody's LinkedIn profile, their company website. How can you be more personal than when you open an email and you see your face? Another great way to, to kind of help personalize that outreach. And it, again, doesn't have to be a whiteboard and marker. Get creative with, with how you're looking to actually communicate with people. So when someone opens your video, whenever I see someone open my video and watch it, but then don't respond, I usually ask them, was the video that bad? Do you have any, <laughs> do you have any tactics for when someone's opening your video 30 times and not responding to you? One of the best practices we like to talk about is after you send a video and you notice somebody's watched, maybe like 25% or more, that's obviously somebody that's really engaged with what you said. And the, the really nice thing with video is it's asynchronous, right? It's not like you caught somebody on the phone. It's a little bit awkward. You're trying to force something out of them here. So we've always recommended wait five minutes for them to respond to you, tell them that you're interested, not interested, never talk to me again, then pick up the phone. So one of the things that Jacob Fernandez, who's one of the video coaches here at Vidyard, always talks about is you can play dumb. Pretend like it was just good luck. Saying, hey, Nick, it's Josh Kirkham from Vidyard. How you doing? Josh, I just watched your video. No way, what'd you think? Or you can call them out for the fact that, hey, Armand, it's Josh Kirkham from Vidyard. I, I know you just had a chance to watch my video. Do you have two quick minutes? I'd love to hear your thoughts and share a couple examples. Right? So you can go into it two different ways. And it's obviously personality specific too, depending on what kind of sales rep you are and what kind of personality you have behind that, but even just who you're trying to reach out to as well. So I'm curious, based on that follow-up, you're asking for feedback. What are you actually putting into your video knowing that it's goldfish attention span optimized? It's a lot of what our voicemails would be. Introduce yourself. Say why you're reaching out. 
and then ask for a next step. Obviously, as we're, we're looking to, especially in a prospecting realm, uh, using it, we understand that there's certain personas based on the industries or the verticals we're selling into that ha typically have certain pain points. I know with Vidyard, if we're looking to maybe sales professionals, a lot of what people are hoping to solve is around meetings, pipeline, and revenue. It's pretty simple, right? So being able to craft a message based on information like that is a fantastic way as an opener. Before you talk to somebody, you don't always know what they're trying to solve. So we always do have to be a little bit more generic, I guess you can say from a prospecting lens. But then when you're asking what they thought, it's obviously easier to start diving into some of the things that actually started to resonate with that individual too. So can we talk about that segue? You've reached out to folks a couple of times. You maybe called them and they're finally willing to take a call with you, right? When are you introducing video in the sales process? Are you doing it before they even meet with you? Are you doing it as a recap? What are the different anchor points that you can use video after prospecting? I've always recommended using it in a couple of different ways. I've always personally loved it as an introduction standpoint as well. Because if I reached out to Nick, sometimes it'll only be Nick and I in that first conversation, but sometimes maybe our moms will be joining as well. So maybe a couple of days before the meeting, because not everybody books for the very next day, sending that meeting reminder, putting a face, the name, reintroducing yourself and using that as a way to almost set that upfront agenda of what that meeting is going to be about. Setting expectations from there. And other than that, I've always loved using it after the call. So sending a recap. So saying, hey, these are the things we spoke about. Here are the actual takeaways. Or maybe depending on your process, because I know in Vidyard, we like to do disco demo pricing a lot in one call. So generally, right after that first call, we're actually walking through a proposal we're sending off to that client and other follow-up resources like micro demos and testimonies we're looking to showcase too. So I'd say before call, as part of your follow-up, because that way they can not only share it internally, but if they ghost you for six months and they start watching, pretty good way to understand to actually follow up with them again. And even just later on in your sales cycle to ping somebody, walk through questions or concerns they have, or again, if they have gone a little bit dark, you can get a little bit creative in terms of trying to get a response through that, through that process as well. I want to talk about this concept of micro demos because we had Tyler Lassard on the show, gosh, a couple months ago. And one of the things that I pulled out from there was like, you can almost send a highlight reel to somebody after the fact. If I'm working with the managing partner of a law firm, that guy's not going to sit through me just sending him the two hour demo recording of what we did. And so I want to send like the high points. And I'm wondering if you can talk through sort of mechanically what goes into those micro demos. How do you actually like, what do you say in the email? How do you set them up? Are you sending links? Are you sending gifts? Like, what's it look like? So you almost want to have what are like the main one or two things you really want them to pay attention to. So maybe the, the big thing you're trying to get for that managing partner of that law firm right after the meeting is that quick little three-minute highlight reel of that two-hour long meeting you have. But you even have some other case studies you want to highlight as well. So what we always like to do is make that quick three-minute video, basically going through potentially what the agenda was for that meeting. So they can at least get the recap of what everything was. What those two or three big points that maybe your stakeholder said, hey, these are really good things that I want to be able to bring offline. Highlight those in the video and then talk about maybe what the next steps are going to be after that call. So that way they can share it internally. Everybody in a three minute video, maybe four minute video gets a very good understanding of what happened in that meeting and what next steps are. So that can even help accelerate your deal velocity from there because that allows them to have more educated internal conversations after you've actually got off the call with them too. So that next call doesn't have to be recapping the first call. It can be actually progressing your deal from there too. Yeah. I mean, the other thing that I've been doing is 
if somebody asks me for like a case study that we've done with somebody, I, I can send them the PDF. But what I've been doing recently is actually opening up the case study in a PDF and filming a video of me almost annotating it with my voice and pointing out areas that I think are particularly interesting. So instead of it just being like, yep, here's a six page PDF, there's at least a little personality and I can tailor the way that I describe what's in the case study to where I know the customer is interested. Yeah, well, I think that almost goes back, Nick, to what you were mentioning about that call recap, right? If you're asking a, a new stakeholder who maybe isn't 100% invested in what we're doing yet to read a six-minute case study on how you can help, that could be a daunting task for some people because as we know right now, people are in back-to-back meetings. They don't always have time. But if you send them a quick video recap of this is the, the case study that I really think you'd enjoy, and here are the two or three parts that I think would be most beneficial to your team based on this conversation, they can take in what you say, and then if they really want to, can actually dive in themselves and learn more. So you're almost, again, allowing that nice introduction and letting the rep do the selling. Especially when we're looking at champion selling. So maybe I'm working with Nick. Nick's such a big believer in how he could use this solution in his law firm. But now, how am I going to help arm Nick properly to play that game of broken telephone internally? So Nick has just told me the, the two or three things that Harmon, the decision maker, really cares about. How can I best arm Nick for that conversation with Armand? I can give him a couple of points on what he probably cares about and how we can help. But on top of that, I can I can personally tell Nick or tell Armand through this thread exactly how we can help, maybe even showing a bit of that solution too. So all Nick has to say is, hey, Armand, I think this is really cool because of X, Y, Z, but here's the individual I was actually speaking to. He obviously knows this product a lot better than I do. And so it allows your champion to internally sell much more efficiently. Uh, and it takes a lot off of their plate because we all understand the easiest way to sell something internally is to do a lot of that work for our champions. So if we can help do that by literally presenting it for them, when it's going to make their life easier, but it's also going to help them be more efficient selling internally too. Josh, can you talk us through like mechanics of, of angle, lighting, stuff like that? So folks don't look as creepy as Nick and Armand did when they started. <laughs> well, I think we've all been there. I mean, I, I'm pretty sure, and maybe just for fun, I'll, uh, I'll actually send you guys my first prospecting video when I started at Vidyard. It was pretty funny. I remember looking back on that, back on that a little bit ago. But I think it's, it's not just um, how your camera and lighting are when you're looking to use something like a, a video or Vidyard, but it's just a virtual selling etiquette, right? Nobody wants to look up somebody's nose. Nobody wants to talk to somebody that's in a dark, cringy room. I Personally, maybe I'm this is me, but I think that's almost common sense for a lot of this. So we want to say that that's the same way as you're looking to communicate. If you were in person with somebody, you'd always be looking eye level. You'd probably be dressed somewhat professionally, right? And your background would just be decent, right? You don't, not a messy bed, nothing crazy going on behind you. Just professional. And the really nice thing with this is it could be as professional as your audience is. If you're selling to law firms, you should probably be wearing a shirt and a tie. If you're selling to tech companies, you could probably get away with a t-shirt, right? So be as professional as the people that you're going to be reaching out to. And from there, I just make sure you're not backlit just so you're not dark. So make sure the light's in front of you. I know a best practice we've always heard is putting your camera, your laptop camera in a windowsill. So you have that nice natural light to you. Make sure it's eye level. And when you're speaking, make sure you're looking at the camera. One of the, the worst things you can do, in my opinion, and that's just in a virtual selling tone, is when you're looking somewhere else, it feels like you're not speaking to that person. If you're speaking to somebody in real life, face-to-face one day when we can do that, you'd be looking in the eyes. 
And so if you're looking either at your camera or just below it, it has that illusion that you're actually looking directly at Armand while we're actually having this conversation. Um, and it's no different as you're looking to use video as well. So in kind of Cole's notes there, make sure that your front lit, so like the light's shining towards your face, the camera's eye level, so nobody's looking up your nose. Make sure that you're somewhat professionally dressed or your background is in that sense too. And then from there, just smile and have a good time. Nick is more of the, he, he really enjoys looking up people's noses. I think you <laughs> might got it wrong, Josh. There is one person in the world who loves it. <laughs> All right. So we have our correct video setup going on here. The other thing working our way backwards is you talked about doing this video blitz thing, right? And so you're recording, I don't know, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 videos. And let's talk about how this fits into the broader prospecting workflow. Knowing that Vidyard folks are probably like the mo most proficient video users, are you sending a single prospect multiple videos? Are you sending them one? When do you start to see some of the diminishing returns and just go with the blocking and tackling of email and phone? There's a, a lot of really cool things we've done with this. So I'll, I can actually go through one that, that video blitz, and then I can even talk about video within um, like a cadence or a sequence, depending on what solution you're using too, because I think those are very, very cool things with it. Um, so the one thing that, that we've always recommended to people, and we almost like to talk about it like we're cold calling. If you were calling, would you call one person, then write two emails and check LinkedIn, then call again? It'd be pretty hard to do that traditional smile and dial $100 a day. There's no different, right? You want to do everything you're doing in bulk. If you're making a video, then you're leaving, then you're doing something else. It'll take you a long time to actually talk to the people you're trying to get in front of. But like I said, this should be like a voicemail, 45 seconds to a minute. So make sure we're, one, we're being efficient with that. And two, the other secret we're doing it in those blitzes is trying to be a one-take wonder. It doesn't take a lot of time to make a video unless you have to do it five times. Then that one video took five minutes or that one voicemail took five minutes. Do it once. Again, it doesn't have to be perfect. If you stumble a little bit, it's all good. If you drop an F-bomb or you absolutely destroy your pitch, yeah, probably redo that one. But it's okay to be human. It's okay to stumble. I couldn't tell you the number of times where I've literally said, Wow, that wasn't English. Let me try that again. And I just keep going. People want to deal with humans. That's why teams like Gong have actually found that like by turning your video on, it's actually going to increase your win rate by 127%. Why not do that everywhere else? People want to deal with humans through that process. That's perfect because I think about when I started as a new video seller, like I would put my dress shirt on, trim my nose hair, film a video or two. But the area I screwed up so much was like I would make a mistake. And then instead of refilming it, I would like get discouraged, get a drink of water, come back and then like refilm it again. But then I forgot what I was doing. And so we talk a lot about the idea of time blocking or batching where it's like if you're going to make 50 cold calls and send 50, 50 videos, don't alternate between the two. Do 50 of one task. Do 50 of another, move on to your email, move on to your research, live your day out of tasks and events on your calendar. People screw up video because they, they'll record like one and they'll spend 20 minutes recording one and they like fiddle with their lighting and it looks really bad and they re-record it seven times and they send it off and then the prospect doesn't respond because it's like the only video they've ever sent and they're not very good at it yet. Versus you have to send 20 one-minute videos 
in an hour, have a quick three minute break in between each. You can get through 20 prospects in a full hour. Just use whatever lines that Josh used or my personal favorite one is like, well, you're definitely not going to book a demo now because I screwed that one up, but we'll keep going. Have fun with it. Keep rolling with the punches. All right. So the last thing, Josh, is you wanted to talk about how this weaves into a sequence, right? Can you tell us how that starts to be structured in your workflow? Absolutely. One of the things that we've always recommended as a first step is actually using LinkedIn. It's a great way to put a face to the name. So when they recognize you before your face pops up in their email, but they actually know that you're a real person from a real company too. And that's, I think, across any industry, whether that's sales, marketing, IT professionals, whatever that is too. We are very big believers in a multi-pronged approach. From there, it's either the second or third step that we definitely recommend to add a video. Put a face to the name, add your pitch and why you're reaching out. From there, as you're doing your call steps, you can start to relate back to that video in the email you sent over. And you can use that as the excuse to why you're reaching out to that person at the end because you notice they haven't watched it. Or when they do watch it, that's the exact reason why you're reaching out to them too. And one of the really big things that we've seen a lot of success with here at Vidyard is actually something called the second first touch. So we'll send somebody a, an email with a video in it in our second step on the first day. And then probably about halfway through our, our cadence, we actually will send the exact same video. We'll just change the subject line and the initial hook for the first sentence. And, but we repurpose that same video. And we actually find it has the same conversion rate even later on within our sequence as the very first step does. So it's a really powerful way to not create more work for yourself and just repurpose things that you've already used in the past too. I love that. So Josh, you told us a story earlier about a deal that had gone dark and I'm getting a little worried because we had someone else on here who talked about playing a musical instrument to bring a deal in. And we got to hear your story, man. Going into the end of the, the month in December, got a verbal from a client and heard, hey, it'll be two weeks. The sign will be back from vacation and we'll be good to send the contract and go. Two weeks came, two weeks went, didn't hear from anything. Calling them, following up, using negative questions as a way to try to drive some sort of response and couldn't get anything. So what I did is I pulled out a guitar. I sang a song on the spot while obviously recording it with a video. And I sent it to them over LinkedIn as a direct message. I not only got a response within an hour, but the deal actually revived and closed within 12 hours. Uh, and it was pretty funny, in my opinion, uh, but it's uh, the response I got from the client was even better uh, because it was one that just went viral internally. The signer thought it was hilarious and said, hey, sorry for ghosting you for so long. We were dealing with X, Y, and Z. Uh, we're good to go. Here's everything you need. Send it on over. And it was a fantastic way to build the relationship, but also just obviously help bring that deal across the line too. Maybe another day I'll, uh, I'll follow up uh, to you guys personally and you can, you can see the song yourself. <laughs> I love it. So I got one last thing before we wrap up here. You've mentioned it a couple of times where when you're dealing with a gone dark deal, you're using like negative questions. I know this is a little bit less related to video, but could you talk us through what a negative question is and how you use those? No, that's a great point. And I actually got the idea from uh, one of my fellow sales managers here uh, at Video Ryan Frampton, where as you're looking to pull out risk in, in your deals, use a negative question to drive that response. So if you're going to the end of your deal and you're pulling at risk at the end of your sale, asking who you need to talk to, like who are the stakeholders there and when do you talk with them, what are some concerns they might have? If they were supposed to follow up with you in two weeks or they're supposed to have the meeting with you in two weeks and for one reason or another, again, it just had to push or something didn't happen, being able to use a negative question like, hey, did 
XYZ stakeholders say no? Or have you given up on this project? Or is this no longer on your radar? As a way to help drive that response, it's actually been a really big thing we've seen here at Vidyard as well. So not just asking, hey, Nick, are you still interested in this? But saying, hey, Nick, is this not something you want to do anymore? Um, has been a pretty great way that we've actually seen across the team uh, to be able to better align with our deals, bring people back into our sales, or if they're just not interested, it's totally cool. That way we can actually push them out of our funnel, stop annoying them, uh, and actually get onto the individuals who are, are more interested in furthering the conversations there too. We hear this a lot where your job as a rep is to constantly, constantly push away and disqualify. And it's not like you're going to be an arrogant jerk where you're doing bant for every single deal. But your job is when someone goes dark to make it as easy as possible for them to tell you the truth. And if you keep saying, are you interested? Are you interested? Do you want to move forward with Vidyard? Do you want to move forward with 30 Minutes to President's Club? It never freaking gets you anywhere. So I totally agree with you, man. The only other point I want to add to that is it's not necessarily just when they've gone dark. I ask what you would call a negative question all the time with deals that like I'm having good conversations with in the sense of like, hey, there's a lot of really good options out there. Like, why would you go with 30 minutes to President's Club? Like the idea is the best salespeople aren't afraid to know where they stand. And so sometimes you need to ask questions where it's like, what risks are out there around this deal coming in? Because you want to know about those things. And you actually come across as a much more balanced, thoughtful, and unbiased salesperson when you're not just like, rah, 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 vidyard. Like, we're the only solution to possibly help you around this. So I love that you're asking those, Josh. And I also love this interview. But we got to move to the final question now. So we talked about a ton of great things salespeople should be doing, especially around video. We got to talk about a bad habit now. So the last question for you is, what's a bad habit that you see a lot of salespeople exhibiting that you think they need to stop exhibiting and dump in the trash because it hurts more than it helps? The one bad habit that love for other salespeople to break, and I actually got this from uh, one of my own managers, Evan Santa, was never negotiate over email. If you're talking about terms of service, if you're talking about anything contract related, deal size, or asking for a discount, pick up the phone, have a conversation with them. Uh, the phone is not dead. The phone is a fantastic resource to get an instant response. Um, so if somebody's looking to negotiate with you or have a conversation that probably shouldn't be hand over email because they'll probably ghost at the end, pick up the phone, have that conversation. Don't just take the easy way out and send the email hoping for the best. Beautiful. Josh, anything you want to plug before we jump off here? If you've never tried Vidyard, download the free version, check it out. I gotta have the shameless plug for the, for the product here. Uh, but it was a pleasure being on 30 Minutes of Presence Club. Listen to this a ton as, as I was getting started in sales here. So great to come round trip here as well. So thank you very much for having me. Well, we really appreciate you coming on. And listen, folks, if you're listening to the show, we've had a lot of episodes about video and Vidyard has been a huge supporter of 30 Minutes to Presidents Club. There's a link to try Vidyard in the show notes, but even cooler is there's a video playbook that Armand and I filmed together that you can only get if you click on the link in the show notes. So check that out and everybody stick around for a 60 second recap coming up soon. Today's prospecting tip is brought to you by Woodpecker. When you're sending a sales email, you generally want to avoid putting punctuation in the subject line. If you've got an exclamation point, it makes it seem like you're shouting at them. Look at this amazing offer. And a question mark just smells salesy. So avoid punctuation. Now, if you want to steal my full sales cadence from my friends at Woodpecker, there's a link in the show notes for you to go get it and try it for free. 
This actionable competitive tactic from Clue is the trap question. Steer discovery toward the winning zone. If we're competing with a podcast that has no newsletter or webinar series, we might ask a trap question like, how do you figure out if those podcast listeners are making their way to your mailing list? And when you're in a head-to-head, there's no better way to prepare for your next competitive battle than with our trap questions and battle card templates from our friends at Clue. The link's in the show notes. Here's my secret to being a sales superhuman. It's auto reminders for everything. If I expect any reply from a prospect, I press command H and superhuman pops it right back into my inbox. If I don't get a reply in two days, that means if you handle an objection, if you suggest times for a meeting, or if you ask for cuts back on red lines, always create a two day reminder task and assume they will not reply. So if you want to follow up on time, every time you can get a free month of superhuman by checking it out in the show notes. Your top four takeaways from this episode with Josh Kirkham include, number one, be a one-take wonder. Do not re-repeat your videos 17,000 times. One take, 60 seconds. Number two, preview videos before your demo calls. Go and introduce yourself, get all the pleasantries out before your discovery call, and send them a one or two minute video giving them an overview of what you do and what you're going to cover in that call. Number three, After the calls, you can use micro demos as a follow-up. Hey, here were the three main points we had. Hey, you had a question about this. Here's how that would work inside of your software. And then lastly, number four, if someone watches your video, call them or even ask them, hey, was the video that bad? All righty, Nick, where can people help us? Armand, you and I filmed a very special episode where we talked through our best practices for video, but you can't listen to that episode on your podcast listening app. The only way to find that episode is to go into the show notes and we got a little link there. And if you click on that link, we'll take you to the video playbook. Thanks for listening. We'll see you guys next week. Gong's going to help you run the five-minute drill at the end of all of your calls today. At the end of a call, pressure test the prospect with three questions. Number one, do you want to buy? If the answer is no, why set a next step at all? Number two, when do you want to buy? If it's tomorrow, we got to move fast. Number three, how do you buy? Based on the first two answers, I can now adequately decide if and how I set a next step. And this was stolen from the Gong 30 MPC 90 Minute Masterclass, and you can steal it too in the show notes. Today's deal acceleration tip is brought to you by Demandbase. If you want to save a ton of time as a salesperson and be more relevant, I recommend you prioritize your prospecting by those prospects who are showing buyer intent. It'll keep you from making a bunch of noise and reaching out to folks who aren't in market, and instead you'll reach out to folks who are in market. Now, we built a bunch of templates to help you prioritize, accelerate, and win with Demandbase, and there is a link to those wonderful templates in today's show notes.